Hello and welcome to SpoilerCast, a Hungry Gamers offshoot that aims to inform, entertain and educate you on one particular release from within the video game and or geek culture universe. And on this very special episode, we are tackling a game that is yet to be officially released and is yet to be scored on Metacritic. I'm going to assume it might be a nice high one, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Developed by Flying Wild Hog and published by those legends over at Devolver Digital, we're talking about the side-scrolling action game known as Trek to Yomi. And here is the setting for all you listeners out there. Trek to Yomi is an ultra-stylized cinematic action adventure that follows an enthralling story of Hiroki during his fall against the forces of evil. Experience his heroic return to make good on his failed promise to save the people he swore to protect. As a vow to his dying master, the young swordsman Hiroki is sworn to protect his town and the people he loves against all threats. Faced with tragedy and bound to duty, the lone samurai must voyage beyond life and death to confront himself and decide the path forward. And joining me on this swashbuckling journey, my friend, Australia's John O'Pec, who can be found at John himself, and obviously I and Brendan White. You can find me on them socials at Brendan8Bits. JP, how the bloody hell are you? I'm great, man. It's it's, uh, it's fun to get on here and talk about a little indie gem such as this compared to our usual, you know, we've had uh, Horizon recently, Ghostwire. So this is be a bit more concise and short and sharp, just like the game was a bit more concise. But um, swashbuckling is day, and I, I have to say, I think with pirates when that term gets thrown out there, I'm not sure if it applies. But, uh, you know. Yeah, you're probably right. I couldn't think of like a um, nice adjective to tie into the samurai lifestyle. Like it's about loyalty and honor and things like that. But I thought, you know what, let's get the energy energy high. And maybe maybe you played this game a little bit frantically in uh, more of a pirate style vein instead of that uh, traditional respectful swordsman style that the samurai are known as. But yeah, Trek yeah. Yomi. Maybe we can jump in here for listeners uh, just to give you a bit of an insight on how the spoiler cast works. So the first half of this podcast going to be completely spoiler free. So you don't have to worry if you haven't played the game yet and you're already listening to this. Uh, as we mentioned, the game is actually coming out this coming week on the 5th of May. There is no releases or reviews out in the wilderness at the moment. So you'll be listening to this the second that embargo lifts. But yeah, we're going to we're gonna sort of skirt around the finer details, not going to spoil any of the finer plot points and just talk about our overall broad experience of the game. Then we'll give you guys a clear exit point if you haven't played and you don't want anything spoiled then we're going to go deep and nasty on everything spoilerific so uh yeah nothing is going to be safe in that latter half of the show but jp as as is tradition here on spoiler cast what do you reckon we'll jump in and sort of share our general thoughts and maybe talk about our overall broad experience with trek to yomi yeah definitely let's do that i mean i really liked playing this game i um you know it's revealed i don't know what what six months ago or in in fairly recent uh well definitely got a bit of a trailer at one of devolver's conventions was it it feels very fresh like it feels like yeah sometime in the last 12 months we didn't really know this game existed uh not not long before that time period so uh yeah it's it's fresh in our memory and um i, I think it's uh it's come out at the right time we've got a little bit of a soft spot here in may and uh i'm with you i've been i've been having a good time with uh with trek to yomi I remember, I remember thinking when i saw it like okay it's um it's like a black and white 2d ghost of tsushima uh or Tsushima, and it turned out to be a lot more than that i think but at the same time it, it did still deliver on that promise of um delivering yeah like i said the same kind of uh fast-paced action the visuals that are very um authentic feeling to to the setting you know the music and the sound it's um it it really gives you a taste of that um experience in a condensed uh, ex- experience and then you know it's not just like I, as i found as i was playing it, it's more than just the 2d along the side scrolling thing because there's the 3d exploration for for different areas um that aren't combat based so yeah it, it was a lot more than what i expected yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, like from the from the outset with these trailers and the announcements that yeah, it looked like a a, a Ghost of Shishima light. You could say where it is. Yeah, we thought it was just going to be a traditional side scroller 
in that um, that feudal feudal Japan era, but they really delivered uh, above and beyond that. I think like uh, this, there was a pretty fault, small team there at Flying Wild Hog that sort of put this together, and they were very respectful of that time period. And I think they really nailed the tone and the themes that were prevalent back then. Especially as you mentioned, like we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail later, is like the soundtrack or the score that accompanied this game. It felt very. Yeah, feudal Japan. It felt very much like we were living this samurai life. And that black and white color palette that is just all you see in this game, like there isn't any smatterings of any other colors outside of, I think maybe something like the opening menu. I don't think there's anything in the game itself. It's all black and white and shades of gray. And it's so aesthetically pleasing. Like it is gorgeous and horrific in ways that we'll talk about a little bit later as well. But yeah, I really enjoyed my time with this game. Like it's, um, it's it's played out over six chapters. Uh, I think that six chapters it was a it was a good sweet spot. Um, I think my playthrough time might have been somewhere in the realm of six hours, give or take. I didn't see if there was a game clock um, attached to it. I played on the Xbox Series X, and you played on the PlayStation Five, so we got same same but different experiences, you could say. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I felt like the game didn't overstay its welcome. Um, some of it potentially dragged a little too long in certain parts overall, but wasn't overly detrimental i'm just like oh mate we could get something else instead of this little loop here give me give me some more but overall i liked experiencing um hiroki's quest for honor and vengeance and and what have you and we'll talk more about that in in spoilers but uh yeah i had a really good time this game was a a nice little hidden gem i think and um there's going to be recommended potentially universally out there It's, it's good fun the 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 gameplay loop itself it's a lot of killing you kill a lot of people and beasties and everything else in between. But um, it was really nice to, to sort of work through this game over a couple of couple of days or a couple of nights and just sort of have a little taste here and then go back and do something else and have a little taste there. So I just worked through this gradually over over the week and, and shout out to to the guys at Power Up PR for, for chucking us a few codes early so we can jump into this ahead of schedule yeah. and get this released when that embargo lifts. But I really enjoyed it. The gameplay loop as far as the... The combat intricacies was really fun. There was some puzzles smattered in there too to sort of break up that just mindless slashing and samurai lifestyle. And it was good. I had a great time. What about you, JP, as far as that gameplay loop? You, you enjoyed what uh, what was on, on display there for those six chapters? Uh, yeah, like um, I definitely, like I said, it was more than what I expected it to be. And I enjoyed how rewarding it was to explore those 3d elements uh, sorry the 3d settings where there weren't any enemies because there was always like maybe a little hidden room here here or there with a collectible or some extra ammunition for one of the projectile weapons so i thought that was cool and everything just looked so good and felt so authentic to to the time period and, and the setting and because it is black and white it almost requires your brain to adjust to a different kind of um, language as far as gameplay markers. It's, it's very much like, where's their, what are they trying to point me towards? Where is the mm-hmm. light shining in this scene? Oh, there's a light on that door. So that's pointing me towards the door. There's a light on this little alley at the back of the 3d space. So maybe if I, head up there there's a little nook that i can explore so yeah it was it was great to um kind of rewire my brain to to that kind of thing and i guess like they they use light in a similar way with um when there's color but you only have that to rely on because there's less perception without the color and there was a few times in in the puzzles where like i was actually struggling to to figure out where to go because i didn't have the same like depth perception without the color for whatever reason i actually got out of my got off my couch at one point and walked up to the tv and i was like what am i doing wrong here oh there's i was like there's something that i saw as something different but it was actually a staircase i was like okay i need to go back a little bit and then up the stairs and and the game the game itself was super dark 
Like even even when you sort of first boot it up and you play around with your HDR settings as as is tradition and scale it so that icon is barely visible. And I I do that as as you always do to adhere to those recommendations. But it felt like it was too dark. There was times where I couldn't see too well, so I had to go back and dial it up because yeah, there was some traversal areas that yeah, there was a a little ledge I had to climb up or, or something, and I. I physically couldn't see i didn't get right up to the, the tv like you did maybe that would have helped me a little bit but um yeah my my eyes were uh were struggling to adjust but yeah I, I liked the fact that there was next to no hud like there was no map there was no map marker there was no compass all you had was your sort of little indicators for your health and your stamina and then also to show the the ammo available on the various projectile weapons you had and that was it so i really liked that it was really stripped back uh, i guess as is the way of the samurai it's a very minimalistic lifestyle so uh yeah it was was nice and clean and it just let the game do the talking and and i liked as well um in that gameplay is how they had they it's not like a full 16 by 9 aspect ratio it's scaled back to i guess something like you'd see in cinema so you don't get the full coverage of the screen so it did feel very art housey it did feel like it was a kurosawa samurai film that you were living out and um super fun super fun man and um i guess the openness of this world to a degree where you can see something in the distance or a door opening there or a ladder and just go off into yonder and yeah you're often rewarded for it so i like that them it respected your time and, and if you did get off the beaten track you are uh, often uh, paid handsomely which was good mm. bit of hp boost or stamina boost mainly or yeah. random collectibles that i never really went and had a look at but um, <laughs> there were some fun ones in there yeah it got to a point where i was like collectible uh some japanese trinket or like everyday object that mm -hmm. if i was a historian of japan i probably care a lot more about but uh i don't really no but i think um what we probably do both collectively care about is the combat in the game itself as far as embodying the samurai like as you are playing as hiroki in this in this uh quest for vengeance and and righting the wrongs of of his you didn't really say past because it happened very freshly very recently uh you know just riding the wrongs of, of what happened this morning but um the, the the combat itself it was challenging but very rewarding like you can't just spam x or y or square or triangle or whatever it's going to be on pc left mouse or right mouse i don't know i don't care but um yeah you can't just slash your way to victory like you do need to counter and block and parry and watch your enemy's movements otherwise you're going to get cut down which i learned um several times during my playthrough what about you did you uh did you find that sort of medium or normal difficulty a challenge like i did at times yeah definitely started off fairly simple and escalated as things went on especially as you were introduced to different types of enemies like ones that block a lot more or there's the guys that have the spears who proved uh challenging at different points and then things get a bit more crazier later in the game again but it was yeah it was it was great i, I felt like picking up the more complex combos that they teach you along the way as things did get more complex and just that step by step layer by layer adding to your um, abilities so that you always felt like you weren't just necessarily using the same moves or, or combination of moves um I, I really liked that and it kind of reminded me of um you know the skateboarding game ollie ollie it's a very simple like again 2d indie version of um a genre that we previously have known as a three-dimensional game like a tony hawk or something but they just reduce it to you know up up square or down down x or whatever it is and i, I liked that kind of um almost like street fighter-y uh simplicity of, yeah the simplicity of just like you got the heavy attack you got your light attack obviously the the heavy attack is gonna take longer so it's kind of a scenario where that makes sense and a scenario where it doesn't make sense so figuring that out was was really fun and um just uh trying to uh, apply the right moves to the right sequence of enemies because they're coming at you from the diff two different directions often and occasionally you'd have you know someone's on a horse so they're a bit higher or someone's 
um, got a bow, so they're further away. And you need to like close the gap, and having that roll in the mix as well was, um, yeah. I just felt like there was enough variety to that to keep things interesting, as as well as you know variety in the enemies, as well as the variety in the moves that you have to dispose them. Most definitely, like uh, once once sort of it felt like you got familiar and comfortable against a certain enemy archetype, the game would just change things up and bring in a new wrinkle to it, or a, yeah, like a, a an enemy that had some type of ranged attack, or yeah, that was was riding a horse on on the horse front. I only attempted to slash at them a few times and I was just sort of blocking their attack as they came through. But did you ever attack them and like, can you get them off the horse? Can you kill the horse riders? Yeah, I that was where I pulled out the old bow and arrow and just took them out. Oh, good call. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, because I was just sort of blocking their charge attack as they sort of trotted past and, and I'd have a few slashes, but could never do anything serious to them. So I just kept going because they're one of the few enemies that you don't have to kill to keep moving forward. All the other ones I found that they'd sort of have like almost like a spectral gate that had closed you off where you can't progress any further without killing the enemy you've just crossed paths with. So yeah, yeah they're the only ones. Yeah. That, that spectral gate, as you called it, I, I had the feeling that it was almost like a VHS style glitch as you approach the side of the screen. So that felt even more like it was an old samurai movie. Yeah, a bit of a throwback there. Yeah. Maybe the tape was getting eaten at the time on the Betamax or, or what have you. But yeah, the, the combat was great. On on the ranged weapons, I didn't use them all that often. I found like uh, when, when you get the when you get the the old traditional sort of single shot blunderbuss. I can't remember the the actual traditional name for it. Apologies on that. But when you get that, you can do some mad damage. But I, I found the. Um, the, like the the kunai or the um, shabrukan equivalents that you're throwing out, I didn't find they did a ton of damage, so I didn't use them much. The bow and arrow was kind of cool, but yeah, it was mostly just uh, myself and my blade doing the damage in 90% of the fights. Right. Yeah, well, you must have got really good at doing that because I certainly relied on the uh, projectiles to get me out of some binds, especially later in the game. Like um, there were some boss fights where... It um, if if you had a bit of distance between them, you could certainly chip away at bigger chunks of health using either the the gun or the the bow and arrow, and even you know the the daggers to just chip away as well, just just a little bit here and there. But um, occasionally I just wanted to pull like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, where you got the swordsman showing off, and Indy just pulls out the revolver and takes care of him. Sometimes mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I can't be bothered with this, and just shoot a guy with a bow especially those guys with the spears they have heaps of range and they're kind of harder to um approach so i was just like oh, i'm just going to shoot you with two arrows and be done with you yeah that's a smart play it's a smart play yeah but the overall the combat like you do get a lot of abilities and a lot of combos unlocked as you explore these six chapters. Uh, I, I didn't find myself using all of them. I had sort of a, a small yet vast rotation of combos and slashes that I, I found I was using predominantly that I don't want to say it, it helped me cheese the game, but it was comfortable and the muscle memory on, on the button presses worked for me to, to be able to sort of parry and, and do a combo and, and roll around here and whatever else. But um, yeah, cause there was a few of them though, like five, six different button presses with certain angles and um, directions attached at the same time. And I'm like, my heart is racing too much to try and sort of intricately step my way through that as I'm trying to avoid getting a pike in the face. Yeah. The, there was like the long lunge that could be followed up with a couple of slashes that was pretty effective. It just, as long as I didn't block it, you could just take care of a guy pretty quickly. I also found there was like, if you have your back to someone and you do that back attack where you turn around, slash them, it never gets blocked almost at all. So you could kind of deliberately turn your back on someone and then just take them out with that. Yeah. And, and you felt like a badass sometimes when, when you could sort of perfectly counter and, and parry into it, into a slash and like one shot somebody, especially when, yeah, you're facing the other way, you do feel very much like a samurai at that time. And you sort of like fist bump yourself for feeling like you're just this, this gaming boss right now, because it, it's super slick and it looks so stylized on that black and white background, especially when you're in doing certain areas where there might be the sort of like the paper walls that you see in a lot of Japanese architecture. Yeah. And you're having fights behind that and the shadow plays showing these these jewels play out and it looks so good. Yeah, for sure. I guess guess sort of expanding on the look so good, maybe we can sort of bundle all this in together and talk about 
graphics performance and, and even the the music and sound just for a visual and a audio based experience. Yeah, I, I thought like, and we've touched on it a few times. This game's very stylized. It's very, very aesthetically pleasing. I'm I'm a big fan of just that really muted color palette felt like yeah the japanese samurai films of yesteryear and then accompanying that with a really traditional japanese score i think it went hand in hand together to give you this very true to these origin stories of feudal japan and and the way of the samurai it felt like i was yeah living living my best kurosawa samurai film life and um i was just lapping it up it was oozing everywhere i was just slurping it up however i could it was a good time yeah, it's funny because a lot of games give you these options to throw on a black and white filter. Ghost of Tsushima did it, obviously, and some other more cinematic style games will will do the same thing. But I never use them. Like I, I'm always like, yeah, it looks it looks pretty cool, but it doesn't look as good as color, you know. And ultimately, it's the same. Like you can watch Logan in black and white, the movie, the X Men movie, or you can watch it in color. And I always like the idea of it, but I think given the option, I I just pick the color because there's more to it. There's, you know, I, I guess like there's something to be said for the aesthetic of black and white, but I don't select that option when I have the choice. But when what they've done here is they've haven't given you the choice, and that's a really bold decision that mm-hmm. I respect because they've said no, this is what it's meant to look like, and it, I think it would have been a lot easier to not have to do the amount of detail you get from the shading and and color for a smaller team. Uh, But, you know, I guess they are one of the larger ends of the spectrum for Indies. They're like almost 300 employees. And that really shows because there is so much polish to the, to the art, to the environments. It all feels like I keep saying the word authentic because it just like, instead of like roaming through the countryside, like you are in, a lot of the open world games most of, of the combat is happening in villages and uh inside buildings and everything so there's a lot of detail and it just feels like you're there really um so i give them kudos for that and for the performance like for an indie again it runs so well like i didn't get any freezes or like i didn't feel like i was being punished for the way that I fought as far as that hit didn't land and there was no cheap, you know, um, bugs like that, that frustrated you as a player. So I really have to give it to them for putting together such a well running game. Like I I can see you, you kind of just had like one or two issues with, with bugs. Yeah. I I didn't have many issues. Mine was mainly down to the audio itself. So there was a couple of, couple of situations, especially where you do get a couple of cutscenes. Uh, where there is some some discussion and dialogue between the main characters. And there is only a cast of sort of five primary characters that uh, have, have sort of notable mm. actors attached to it as far as doing the voice acting as well. And there was a few exchanges I had where you're still getting the, the, the subtitle track along the bottom because obviously this game, it's completely voiced in Japanese. You don't get any English dialogue. And I don't know if you get an option to play it with english english um dubs so i think it's wholly and solely japanese experience which is like what you said as far as they don't give you the choice on the color palette i like that they've just said no this is the way you play this game love it or leave it which is love the boldness but before you go on like we just did ghostwire tokyo that you played in japanese and i switched to english and i probably would have switched this to english if i had the choice but i i do like they didn't give me the choice because it's like too bad like this is the way the game is meant to be played i really feel like they committed completely to the uh the approach of that kurosawa style or you know whatever was the the main influence on i guess the story and the setting of this game they've they've gone whole hog so to speak yeah, I, I like that. Like, wild hog. Like you see, <laughs> that's not a bad bad connection there. But um, yeah, I like that they haven't sort of tried to 
cater to everyone in that regard. Like I know that that will upset some people and we'll be met with some criticism out there as far as it's not as accessible as some might like, you know, with, with the, with the color palette and with the, the voiceover option being only in Japanese, but yeah, it is very, very tried and true to that, that sort of era and that vibe and that aesthetic they're going for. And it was really good. So it's, it was a bit annoying where it only happened two or three times in, in these cut scenes where you'd still see one of the, one of the characters exchange interacting with Hiroki and you'd see you'd see Hiroki or the other characters interacting with mouth move and you see the subtitle track underneath but no vocal delivery hmm. so it was a bit bit jarring at times because I, I was fully immersed like you've got to be fully paying attention to, to understand yeah. the story and read those subs but yeah that happened to me a couple of times but outside of that the game ran smooth no crashes yeah no weird glitching or tearing and just quickly circling back on one thing on the graphics. I liked that the environments carried more detail than the characters you could say for the most part. You, you do see a little bit more detail in those um, brief cutscenes, but overall the detail on the assets uh, that, that the developers were sort of putting together was focused primarily on the world around Hiroki and co. And it really, really paid dividends, I think, because the the environments were stunning. Even when they're on fire and nightmare laden and things like that, it still looked gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And, and further to just like how things looked, the camera angles that they would pick as well, because you know, you you might think like, okay, it's a left to right kind of two D plane for these fighting scenes, but then you walk through that right side of the screen and you could come up from the center from the top from the right from the left um as you are traversing these villages and um sometimes i'm like wait where am i oh i'm mm -hmm. in that corner and i'm i've been holding a certain direction and i have to you know figure out where i am and, and press on and I, I just felt like some of those camera angles were really cinematic and they really pushed in on that vibe of, of making it feel like a, uh something for, with a film kind of quality uh so it, it made the environments really interesting to look at they were like landscape paintings in a way the way that they were composed most most definitely and and, and that word cinematic i think perfectly summarizes this game from a visual standpoint and i loved yeah you'd get nice tight shots as you're going to certain areas and yeah it, it would throw you for a split second when you do go through a door up a ladder and pop up into this next scene and then you're like Where's Hiroki? Oh, there he is. He's over there. Okay. My bearings are adjusted again, but yeah. it was really slickly done. Like, even though it was hard cuts between some of these, some of these cameras, it wasn't very like jarring in that regard. Like it felt pretty smooth and seamless. And it did feel like we were watching a movie. Like, even though we've sort of mentioned that several times now in this first 28 minutes or so it does feel very cinematic but it's done in such a way that adds to the experience and it's just such a nice visual feast jp but um maybe we have a look at have you got any other nitpicks and gripes that you want to sort of talk about before maybe we start shifting into our spoiler free recommendation then jump into spoilers yeah a few i think we kind of skipped over just talking the very first category we had which is the story we kind of skipped past that so should we go back and just quickly give our general perspective on that like um sure yeah um so the, the story of this game like from a narrative perspective it was very simple and i think that that suits the gameplay because there's you know enough world building in there to feel authentic you, that there's so much done through the environments through the collectibles if you want to go in there and read about them but uh, even just through seeing them um i think adds a lot to, to feel like you're actually in that you know sense of place um i did find it interesting that they added branching storylines um as you know the game came towards the latter end there was a few at least two different points where you had a few choices to make and i i'm really curious what like the difference that they made uh, I think we'll know. Like, we got some different endings, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm sure we did. We'll get to that in the spoiler section. But, I, yeah, I really wish that there was a way to go back to that point in the game as, like, a save point and then try out the different endings. or You the cannot. Branches. I tried. You cannot. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, even though it's a short game, you're still going to have to slog through like the, you know, four hours that lead up to that point or whatever it is, mm. which I, I think <laughs> they're tied to trophies as well. I think there are trophies for each of the different endings. So it's not going to be a quick game to 100% if you're into that kind of thing. We also don't know because they, as of recording this, have still somehow not revealed the full achievement and trophy list, which is completely new to me. Like I've never seen a game this close to release where the trophies haven't at least pinged on, you know, one of the websites that tracks that kind of thing. Have you, like, were you having trophies pop though when you were working yes. through the, okay. Okay. Yeah, Cause so, I was so the same. So I was having achievements pop. Yeah. And usually like when it pops, you can, you know, press the PlayStation button and go and look at the rest of the trophies. And that doesn't often happen with games that haven't released yet. But um, it nowhere to be seen with this game. Like you couldn't even, you couldn't even see them apart from the one that you had just popped. So really, really uh, frustrating if you want to. Um, I guess this is going to be specific to people reviewing the game. But if you want to know what the trophies are, so you can go for a few of them, it's like I'm just guessing here. But it, it did look like there was different trophies for each of those choices that you could make which i guess would be six at least six choices so um just be be careful or be wary of that if you're a trophy hunter uh but yeah that, that was my spoiler free take on the story just um you know it's nothing like amazing but it certainly suits the genre as far as you know the tale of revenge or honor or, or vengeance and these things that are quite common to the the samurai world it is very interesting that, that listing isn't available and also that reviews like it's we're recording this on the first of may at the moment the game officially launches on the fifth so the game is available out in the wild in four days time and reviews aren't up at the moment it's it's a surprisingly not sort of until, late embargo yeah not until launch day so people can't even hear this until then and it is surprising for a game that's seemingly straightforward positive like like it's usually when there's a little bit of controversy or it doesn't run that well on one of the platforms or you know it's some weird policy of like a bethesda or whatever that they don't allow reviews until launch day but um yeah not quite sure what where they're coming from with that because i think that it would have helped build some of the hype to you know leading up to launch have these reviews coming out because i mean for me it's probably i would be surprised to see it rated lower than like a 7.5 or an 8 yeah i'm with you that that's what my gut tells me as well i think it's going to review really well because it was a nice polished tight experience and there is some replayability there like as you said if you wanted to hunt those other trophies or get a different ending and that stuff we'll talk about right. in the spoiler section soon and there's a new game plus i think yeah where it's one shot and you're dead Right. Okay. Is that what, yeah, I saw that there was like a one shot mode and I was like, is that when you're overpowered and can kill people in one shot? No. But, yeah, you know. So there's, once you finish the game once, it'll unlock a mode where if you get hit once, you're dead. And I don't know if that means you're dead and you've got to start the whole game again or you're dead and you're back to the closest save point yeah. in the game, which is nuts. That is nuts. But, um, you know, I, I do like that loop of kind of like getting to the next checkpoint um, because, you know, occasionally you'll get stuck at one enemy that takes off like half your health. So you're like, okay, I've only got to get to the next screen maybe or to the end of this area with the health I've got left. There's no med kits. You can't heal yourself until you get to that point. So yeah, just going quickly back to, to the gameplay, I did like that kind of um, checkpoint slash completely heal yourself at those those different points. Yeah, it was nice. And it, and it just not having to worry about any inventory management just meant you can focus on being a badass samurai and it was yeah. was good. And yeah, there was a few times you'd get to that checkpoint and you'd have one little slither of health left and you just hope that an archer or a gunman or whatever just doesn't get you out of shot as you're rolling towards the little uh, checkpoint shrine. And then you get there and you can sort of rest and reset and then uh, keep progressing forward to uh avenge avenge your clan because uh the evil uh yeah kaguru or that's how you, that's how i pronounce it right kaguru uh i can't remember but sure let's go k-a-g-e-r-o-u kaguru is how i'd pronounce it yeah he's he's the big bad of this game 
So, so JP, what other what other nitpicks and gripes have you got that you wanted to throw our way? Spoiler free, of course. Before we jump into those spoilers, sure. Uh, I don't have a lot because I, th- I think that, like I said, you know, a, a decent sized team over at Flying Wild Hog, they did a great job putting this together without like technical issues. And you know, I guess if anything, I could say that um, occasionally you'd you'd have like some enemies that were approaching from outside of that 2d plane and it wasn't always clear when they were able to be attacked because they'd be you know you're looking at a 2d perspective and you you can't actually tell that they're behind that straight line so they're kind of waiting their turn to for you to kill another enemy before they step onto that plane and, and can be attacked so that was something that i noticed a few times that um I would probably think could have possibly been handled better, whether they were standing further to the, to the side. So you didn't get confused. Um, some of the branching paths, you know, like we, I talked about the exploration before. Occasionally I'd go down a path thinking it was the exploration direction, but it was actually progressing me into combat. And then there was no way to go back and, or there might've even been combat in both directions, so I think like, oh, well, I guess I'll just keep going this way. And then I realized that I missed an ex- explorable area before and it's I can't be bothered going back at that point. So there's a few times where I just feel like it would have been nice to know that I was going down the wrong path, if, if that's the way you want to look at it. Again, not a huge thing, just as we're talking nitpicks. Um, but yeah, that's basically all I want to mention there, there was like a, a checkpoint as well that um, I think leading up to a boss it was a bit to, further away yeah, and you had to clear through a heap of enemies away. I know the yeah. one yeah you had yeah. to like and it was like okay I died go collect the shiny power up in the other direction and then go run that way because I because I used the checkpoint and save before I got the power up I had to collect the power up every single time and it was just like yeah, it could have just been. It's a small kind of game design element that could have been done better. But again, it is a gripe. Yeah, I with you. I, I agree on those ones. The like we praised, I guess, the lack of hand holding and, and mini map and compass and things like that earlier on. But yeah, when there is a few parts in the game where you, you you end up at a fork, and if you go one direction, there's a chance you might slide down a ravine and you can't get back up to check the other area. So it's hard to tell which way is the right or the wrong way to go to find some of those collectibles and upgrades. And, and yeah, I know I probably left a good half a dozen I'd say over my playthrough in there where I'm like, oh, actually, you know, instead of zigging, I'm going to zag here. And then it's like, Oh, now I'm stuck in a, in a boss battle or now I've slid down here and there's no way to get me back up there. Might, it might've grown grievance, but I guess it uh, rewards the replayability factor there. But um, the other thing that I wished we got more of was uh, maybe a bit more of an emphasis on those projectile or ranged weapons. Like there was no puzzles or situations where you had to use them. And I, and I like that freedom of choice in one hand, but on the other, maybe there is a few puzzles where you might have to shoot the bow over there to hit a certain tile or switch yeah. to open up the map a little bit because they sort of felt like forgotten items for me a lot of the time. Like you mentioned, you are using them pretty, pretty regularly, but it was very few and far between for me with the weaponry. So it would have been nice to sort of say, oh, Hiroki, remember you've got that tasty bow on your back? shoot that thing in the distance to open up that area but there was none of that so i think that was a bit of a missed opportunity yeah. as well the puzzles were fairly basic as well like they could have added that kind of element to it to yeah. just mix things up a bit like usually the puzzle consists of there's three japanese characters and you have to look at them and remember them and put them into a spindle to open a door you know it's it's a very simple mechanic so you're having something where you have to shoot an environmental thing to to reveal those characters or something might have been interesting. Yeah. That's it. Just just to sort of yeah lessen that sort of uh, Japanese character monotony because it was it didn't even matter. I don't think I always line them up naturally in the top. Like it was sort of broken into four quadrants to to unlock this this puzzle. Did you do them in any other areas as well, or did you always try and marry those three characters up in a certain spot on that little spin wheel? Uh, I don't really know what you mean. I just kind of look at them and go, okay, that one looks kind of like a man jumping in the air. That one looks like an A. 
and I just try and remember and find them on the spindle and then spin the third one until it clicked. So, oh, so, so you never really like, okay. So, cause I, I'd always, cause it was like, it was in like four slices of pie, four wedges in this spindle, but I'd naturally, and then there was three lines inside, obviously with characters in those three areas and you sort of, yeah, spin the three layers. I'd always line them up so they were in that top wedge every time. So I'm curious oh, yeah, if yeah. it was dependent on if it had to be there or if you could line those exactly. same three characters up anywhere. I think they had to be the top. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. But yeah, that's that's sort of the nitpicks and gripes as far as spoiler-free. As far as that spoiler-free recommendation, I'd say yes, I do recommend this game. Uh, it's $29.95 AUD, give or take, depending on um, where you're buying this from. You can get some uh, extra discount if you're a PlayStation Plus member. I haven't checked the Xbox store to see if it's the same if you're a Game Pass member and things like that, but I assume that would be the case. So you can save yourself 10 plus percent depending on your platform there. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed my time with this six to seven hours really really easy to get through nice and digestible tight unforgiving at times combat but very rewarding at other times and um yeah it's it's one of my favorite games i've played so far this year it's it's been very enjoyable yeah i'd agree with that too and i think if any of the stuff we've said about you know how authentically japanese and, and samurai this is if that appeals to you then it's definitely worth checking out uh, I mentioned before about <clears throat> how like um, Oli Oli is a great simplification of like a, a skateboarding experience. And there are these like indie versions of AAA games like Salt and Sanctuary is to Dark Souls. I feel like mm-hmm. this is that to Ghost of uh, Tsushima. So if you're a big, if you were a big fan of, um, of Ghost of Tsushima uh, and enjoyed that, story about gin and japan and honor and revenge and, and all that kind of thing like you're getting the same thing boiled down into a very concise six or seven hour experience that for me it was playing you know 90 minutes for five days and it was like something to look forward to come back to every night um, yeah it never wore off its welcome you could just smash through it in two nights if you wanted to you, you were probably closer to, to doing it in a few days um and it might drag or feel a bit more repetitive if you just smash through it but i think if you just like want to have a week where you just play this game every night for a little bit and it's a nice little meal like cleanser like a nice little before you go to bed like a little late night snack you reckon yeah yeah a little late night snack before bed like it's uh, yeah I, th- I definitely hope that people out there in 8-bit nation will check this out because I, I could see it going under the radar just because it's a little bit um less accessible with um the you know the black and white the japanese but again i think we we have a lot of um of our listeners with good taste that will will dig that kind of thing too I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think we can both confidently say spoiler free that this game is a bit approved, but listeners for now, if you haven't played the game yet and you're listening through and you don't want any of the narrative spoilt, maybe pause the podcast, go work through this, this game over a couple of nights as a little late night snack as Jono alluded to just now and come back uh, once you've, once you've rolled credits and we can uh, dive deep on spoilers together in podcast form. But JP let's jump spoilers. Let's mm-hmm. talk about our first, favorite moments in the game and yeah lead us off yeah i thought all the uh the boss fights were really fun and rewarding because you've been through that loop of um i guess repetitive waves of of enemies and then you get thrown someone that's got a different type of attack and or and then you know you, you get thrown um an enemy that has a longer chunk of health and it's like okay how am i going to do this and then as you went through the game introducing new enemies uh you've got like these kind of zo- almost zombie-ish um soldiers to fight then the first time you go to yomi into this kind of underworld um, afterlife type area with uh ghost-like enemies to fight and a monster of a boss fight like th- there was just um enough in those those boss fights that kept things fresh and interesting for me and you know, no, I don't think, at least for me, any of them were ones that I could figure out on my very first attempt 
it was kind of like die a few times, get the idea, get the execution, figure out the best techniques. Like I said before, the way that you have all these different moves to utilize against different types of enemies. And um, it always felt rewarding to take them out because of that. So yeah, I think my favorite moments were going up against those bosses and um, just meeting those new enemies, whether it was the zombie or the uh, ghost enemies for the first time. Yeah, it was was very refreshing where you went from, I guess, normalized feudal Japan running around sort of the fields and and you know, th- that Japanese traditional architecture in the temples to getting in a fight. So obviously um, I guess the, the really quick play by play as far as where the story gets us up to for now. Yeah. You're playing Hiroki, your, your sensei uh, Sanjiro gets killed when you are a, a young apprentice, still probably teenager um, in, in this sort of time period by a guy named Kagaru who you end up killing or felling and you think he is gone and, and, and away and, and life is good and, and you grow up then um with Aiko who is Sanjiro who is your as I said your your sensei um Aiko is Sanjiro's daughter you end up sort of establishing a relationship with her and, and you're ruling this township in Sanjiro's stead uh but lo and behold Kagero is not dead and he comes back years later runs vengeance uh has a bit of a pretty smart war tactician's brain here and he and he sort of sends a heap of people in one direction and you as Hiroki gets his group of samurai and run out there to try and take him down but it was a misdirect and while you're doing that Kagaru and the rest of his army comes in slays Aiko slays most of your people and then uh you end up circling back to Kagaru you get killed end up in Yomi, Yomi, which was, yeah, as, as JP mentioned, the, the Japanese afterlife. And you've got to fight your way through there to try and get a second chance to take down Kagaru and avenge your people and avenge Aiko and, I guess, avenge the samurai code um, is, is the story and, and the premise. It is indeed, yes. Um, I think I got all that. I didn't write any of that down. I was just going off uh, yeah. off the grey matter and I think I think <laughs> that's how it all flowed. Pretty I'm impressed because, you know, it's... um. With a with a language barrier, I think maybe some of it doesn't sink in as well as you know just straight up hearing something in English and, and reading the subtitles in English. So you've done very well. But um, what were your favorite moments? I guess yeah, like like what you touched on that first time when uh, like when uh, Hiroki is awakened in Yomi in the afterlife, and you do see this like nightmare hellscape with beasties and creatures and warped dead or undead people, especially a lot of them are, are your victims. People you've slain have come back or are just stuck in this sort of limbo-esque afterlife and you've got to slay them again. It's um, I really like that aspect of it where you're revisiting and retreading the past and, and some of those uh, fights and interactions you've had. Uh, yeah, the boss fights that you mentioned, JP, they were great. And I like that they were varied and the the character models for all of those boss fights were very hellish and i don't know if they were sort of modeled off certain uh you know japanese folklore and things but some of them did sort of look a little bit that way and remind me of stuff like ghostwire toko that we played not too long ago on a spoiler cast so that was fun uh but i think my favorite moments or moments where i was smiling and feeling just like a gangster in this game was when you do stun or daze an enemy and you can press rb or r1 on the controller, who cares on PC? I'm sure it's, I don't know, Alt F4 or something. Don't actually press that because that means you're going to close. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you do have the ability to finish a character and Hiroki does these mad animations, like it's not the same one every single time. Some of you like cut a head off or stab through the chest or spin around and stab him in the back. And it's just really stylized and artistic. And every time that happened, I was like, oh, yeah. I'm pretty cool right now. And it gives you some health back too. Yeah. That's how you replenish your health outside of the save point is by finishing people off in a stylized, badass samurai way. So that combined with those boss fights and yeah, just traversing Yomi as a whole, even though I did feel it overstayed its welcome a few times, uh, like it dragged in a few bits there where I'm like, come on, just get me to the boss fight. What do you mean? I got to run through this next part. But anyway, my gripe, but yeah, really cool, really cool. I like that too. It's just that I was too 
frantically slashing at them to notice that they were dazed. So often I would notice like after I've like just done a basic normal attack to finish them off that I could have done a finisher. Mm-hmm. Ah, damn it. You can, uh, you can feel even more powerful on that next run through as you try and unlock those, uh, those additional endings and um, potential variations in the storyline. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe we can sort of flip the script and go from the, the favorites and the positives to some of those least favorites and negatives. I know I have sort of said that that six chat, like those six chapters, that five to seven hours of runtime, it felt good. It felt like a good amount of time, but I feel either they could have potentially cut out a little bit of fat where a few of those chapters ran a little longer and maybe giving me, given some more backstory on Hiroko and even Aiko and like from them going from teenagers to then adults, it just, just like, you know, happened. Like there was no text. There was no cutscene, There was no nothing. It was just your sensei was dead. And then you just cut to cut to present day where they're adults. Like I wouldn't have minded just a little bit in there, maybe showing them because they were grieving and obviously clearly at a loss. Maybe give me something in there as far as what's happening before he just like Hiroko and Aiko ascend to be the Lord and Lordess of, of the village. Yeah. Especially since a lot of the emotional weight is meant to come from their relationship as a couple. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's a bit of dialogue when they're teenagers that you get the sense that he's, you know, into her or whatever, or that she means a lot to him or, you know, but yeah, there was no, I guess it's, it's hard with like, what are you really going to throw in there? Like a scene where you're picking flowers on the river, but something days gone style. But um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like even if it was just like a montage of them growing up together and falling in love and, uh, that kind of thing could have just been a cutscene. Yes, something, something in there because it it felt a bit jarring for me to go from Kagero getting killed to then suddenly surprise. Five minutes later, Kagero's back from the dead and he's now raised this whole army and he's coming to get you after all these. Oh, he's not coming to get you because he, he forgets you exist. Uh, you, you're nothing because he makes a deal in the afterlife and takes the power in Yomi and fights his way out and, and goes on a, on a tour of vengeance. But yeah, it felt very jarring in that moment where there, there needed to be a little bit more time in between for it to breathe and yeah, pat out some story. I would have liked that. So that's, that's my biggest nitpick or gripe in that regard is yeah. Give me, give me a little bit more filler in there. Just, just pat out this romance or like, yeah. Montage. Let, let's um, yeah. Hiroki be running up the stairs, training Rocky style and like swinging a sword at, at bamboo over and over to try and get to the, to the level of Lord. Yeah. He was pretty powerful for a teenager. Like you're playing that first chapter. He's just like wiping out these attackers. Yeah. They're, like they're nothing. But uh, I guess that's why it's fun. He, he's a special kid. Um, so, so something that will lead me into what I didn't like, but something that I really did like that I didn't mention already was there's a sequence where you're trying to save this village, but everyone there thinks that you're the enemy and they don't believe you. So they they attack you and you kind of in self-defense have to kill them. And I really loved that conflict that um, Hiroki had to face of like, I don't want to fight you like for that whole chapter it was like i don't want to fight you and they just didn't believe you so i I really liked that uh tension that that created and unfortunately besides that section i don't feel like any of the dialogue or interactions were super memorable totally the game totally agree um like there was a fun sequence where there was like a an enemy pinned under a boulder or falling Mm -hmm. debris or something. But yeah, generally I feel like the story was like probably leaning towards simplicity and serving the purpose of just driving the gameplay forward. And it did that perfectly well, but in doing that, it it just means for me, at least it wasn't super memorable. It was kind of um, more about the journey of, um, you know, literally progressing through these different areas for a different purpose in each chapter and going on that spiritual journey as well into the afterlife and and back again or however it ended up being for for the different choices that were made 
totally agree. It felt like this game was just, they were just trying to get you to the next cool set piece with a little exchange, whether it be against one of the standard bandits or, or samurai there. Yeah. That you used to fight with. And it's like, yeah, like um, Hiroki constantly, like, I'm not here to fight you. I've got no brief with you. And they never believe him. I don't know why, like if they've been seeing him for years and years, may- maybe if they did have a cutscene, they'd be familiar with who he was in between there. But um, it felt like it was, yeah. Wave, wave, wave of enemies, run, 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 stab, 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 get to an area where you're fighting beside a waterfall or on a fallen tree or behind a, a paper silhouette. You have a little brief exchange and you have a sick battle. And then it's through trash mobs, trash mobs, trash mobs, sick battle. And that's fine. It's it's a fun gameplay loop and I enjoyed it. But yeah, if if they padded out some more of those little side stories, because you meet a lot of random characters, then there's others you can't interact with. Like there's mm. people from your village trapped in cages that you run past. Like, shouldn't I be able to like open that and free them? And it's like, nope, there's no flashing white dot there. You can't interact. So you move on. Yeah. And, and in saying all this, I think that it, it doesn't really matter because it's a gameplay first experience and the gameplay is really what matters most and is done so well that it's almost like everything else like if you stripped every line of dialogue out of this and they just like you just interpreted everything from body language i think it would have it wouldn't have been as good but it would have worked oh yeah yeah it'd still hit pretty similar yeah and you could go okay this is clearly the bad guy and he's clearly evil and this is clearly someone that um I'm saving in this sequence. Like you could have, you know, there's a world or a, a, a style where they, they go that way with maybe, I guess because it's a cinematic style, it wouldn't have worked. But, you know, mm-hmm. if it was a more like pixelated, if you think about this game being like a pixel art uh, version, it would have worked anyway. Kind of losing the point there. But <laughs> I, I guess my, my whole point is... <laughs> is that uh, it doesn't really matter. Like as much as we're nitpicking the story being, you know, less than the last of us part two, it doesn't need to be that because it's about the the satisfaction of that gameplay. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. And um, yeah, there's a point there. We got there. It was uh, not as clear and concise as Hiroko's journey uh, through the underworld and, and seeking vengeance. But um, yeah, as, as we've sort of touched on in the non-spoilers, there is three different paths you can choose and you do get met with choices. I think three times in total uh, where it sort of asks uh, what you, what you're here for, what, what you're fighting for. And it's, yeah. Are you fighting for Ico, your love? Are you fighting for people or are you fighting for vengeance? That's sort of the three, the three sort of areas it, it stems from. So it's almost like love, honor, and vengeance or love, honor, and rage, I guess you could say, because um, I, I sort of stuck with the honor on the first two where it's like, no, I need to avenge my people. I can't stay with Ico. I need to get back to the village and right the wrongs. But then on the third try, when you're down in Yomi and it's pretty much the final question it asks you before you get teleported back to, to take down Kigeru, I didn't pick love or honor. The, the third option was I don't need any of these gifts because I thought like I misinterpreted at the time but what the the underworld like this spirit's trying to play me to keep me down here I don't want to be bestowed these gifts and, and disgrace my clan or disgrace Ico so I said I don't want the gifts but that is in fact me saying I don't care about Ico I don't care about the my 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 village I don't care about honor I'm on rage I just need vengeance I need to kill Kagero. So I went that route. So after I killed Kagero at the end, I become Kagero. I become a warlord. And like Hiroki makes this this monologue or I guess a speech to, to his army as well. And he's like, we're leaving this place behind. Who gives a shit about the samurai life? We're just going out for fame. We're going to kill everybody. Like he comes back like evil and really bad. And it went from like this honorable samurai life. I lived right up until the last second. And then I became the villain in the end. And I was like, what? I can't go back. I can't replay the chapter. I'm just the bad guy now. (laughs) That's a a shame. I I was sure that you were going to go the big, you know, soppy dude you are, that you would have gone with love and Ico, and that's what I did. I was like, oh, it's going to be boring. We picked the same thing, but guess not. So what happened in your ending then? Uh, You end... So Ico is obviously dead, and in um, Yomi... So 
once everything is uh, squared off, you just go back to spend forever with with her instead. Oh, in in the underworld. Okay, yeah, interesting. Or, or in the nice version of it, I guess. I don't know. It's, it, I'm not 100 percent on it. <laughs> the, the version where you're not running across thousands of skulls and getting yeah. like getting targeted by giant spiders from the ceiling and things like that, which I wish they did more with. Instead of them just yeah. being a static item that's creepy and can occasionally slash you with its foot as it as you roll past, have them chase you or break out and you fight them, or at least a couple of them one time. They really kept it to humans, except for a boss fight here and there, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Oh, you do get the the spirit entity in Yomi that sort of summons the the human underlings for her. She was a bit of a, I guess, a bit bit evil, but yeah, yeah. humanoid still. Still shaped like a human. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, legs. interesting because I yeah I was going to go the honorable route, so I was curious to know if if that other honor ending is going to be where I'm I'm back in the village and I've rebuilt the town and I'm living that good samurai life and maybe I've got myself a, a samurai understudy by then, but instead I'm on the warpath, pretty much trying to take over Japan and just killing everybody, and you're you're loved up, living a good life. Yeah, you're you're Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm looking forward to all these getting uploaded to YouTube because I'm not going to play the game six times to get the six endings. Um, I'll definitely be just checking out those different versions and seeing how they all differ because that's one of the things with, with branching choices is I always want to know what else is out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Telltale games, I often would actually go back and play them again if i was a big fan and and see how things turn out differently but otherwise thankfully we have youtube thank god for the internet in this regard because i'm with you like i I might go back and play this one more time or maybe i'll play like the the story mode where it's just super easy and you can sort of maybe push through it and just get the narrative because i'd like to know i'd like to know cheeky back up your save to the cloud and then play offline save it on a usb and then keep loading that one up to get those different choices if you want to see the the different directions that it can go but uh yeah seems like a lot of work jp yeah it is it is all right listeners that brings us to the end of this spoiler cast i think we might uh drop our last word on trek to yomi before we close this studio out for another future spoiler cast coming your way which is as yet to be determined but jp what is your last word on trek to yomi so last year, Devolver gave us Death's Door. This year, they've published Track to Yomi. And I think they're on a great run. They, they cannot do any wrong. Uh, I mean, occasionally you'll get a game that's surprisingly not quite as good as the rest of them. But I think that when Devolver puts their badge on an, an indie release, you know that it's going to be worth a look in. And this is no different to that. I think that it's um, definitely worth your time. It's worth 30 bucks, especially if uh, you want to go back and play it again for either the challenge of that one shot mode or just the thrill of, you know, like like what you said, now that I've played it and I've convinced myself that I'm worthy because I finished it without bumping down the difficulty maybe the next time i would go back and play story mode and just mow down every single enemy with with a, a, a couple less strikes required mm-hmm. on each person and just feel like even more of a badass no i'm, I'm right there with you i think uh like we've sort of mentioned or or done that done the say fully lazy comparison with ghost of shishima but um yeah if, if you're looking for an indie minimalistic strip back version of uh yeah got and you want to save yourself some bickies, 30 bucks Australian can get it cheaper at launch on those platforms as well. If you are a PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live member, probably Steam's got some mad discounts as well. Uh, do it because it's a great game. can smash it out over a couple of sittings. It feels good. It looks good. And you are good until you decide not to be as I did. And um, yeah, come, come be an evil Japanese tyrant like myself and, and let me know how that felt for you. Did you feel as bad as I did by picking the wrong answer at the very end and completely derailing my samurai mindset? But uh, yeah. You must've just been like beside yourself at that point. Cause it's, it's the end of the game. You can't like 
shut down the you know did you try and like exit out and i did i did i tried like i hit it and then the next line of dialogue from hariko and he was getting really angry and carrying on i'm like oh no what have i done what have i done what have i done and i hard exited the game but i guess the second you click that choice it saves it into into the into the file because i reloaded the game and so i then it it didn't even give me that dialogue again it just Mm -hmm. the next scene was Hiroki waking up back in back in his village. So I'm like, I don't even know how that exchange ended. Yeah. Oh, you you'll definitely have to watch it on YouTube then. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Trek to Yomi officially eight bit approved, available across every platform. Well worth your time. Very very enjoyable and one of the most um, yeah gorgeous and um, aesthetically pleasing games you'll come across. I'd say all year. Last thing. Do we want to do a little prediction where it will sit on Metacritic when all's said and done? Probably. I like that time. idea. I like that idea. So the time people are listening to this, they can go and check and see which of us has, has got it right. Do you want me to start? Yeah, you go first. Okay. I'm going to say 81. Ooh, I was thinking around there too. Are we playing price of prices right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we if we go over, we bust, you reckon? Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I was I was probably gonna say 81 as well. So I guess I'll have to say 82. Okay. I, I could see a few giving this like, you know, an 85. I can see a few people giving it an 86. Maybe it gets the odd nine out of ten just for completely executing what it sets out to do. And by the same stretch, yeah, I could see it getting a few sevens. I'd be surprised if anyone had enough bones to pick with it to give it less than a seven. Um, but, you know, maybe some people hate Japanese people. Yeah, you evil bastards. And anyone out there that's that's going to play this game on the second run through with that one-shot death mode, you guys and gals be crazy because uh, that would be so frustrating and tough and stressful, especially some of those boss battles where there's massive AOE going on everywhere. And Oh, oh my an God. There's an enemy attack where he's like, he just flicks you off the screen. Like yeah. A big, a big beast. It's like, Oh, I was kicking your butt. And then I just didn't dodge one move. And suddenly he's like, no, nah, I've had enough of you. He got me twice with that. And the second time, like the first time I took you by surprise. And the second time I'm like, I blocked it. You son of a bitch. But you got to, I guess, just roll out of the way because yeah, yeah. flicks you like a bug. But um, yeah, track to Yomi officially 8-bit approved uh, 8-bit nation if you can do us a nice little solid and rate view subscribe this podcast on your podcast platform of choice if you're talking spotify as well give us that cheeky five stars on there you can uh, leave ratings on spotify and that would mean the awful awful lot to us uh, if you want to get some merchandise obviously shop 8bit.net if you want to get some audio equipment upgrades obviously audiotechnica.com.au is the place to go there if you also want to and if you also want to support us monetarily go over to ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8bit to support us from the low low price of one dollar it's going to get you ex- exclusive access to content perks giveaways and a whole lot more but uh i have been brendan you can find me at brendan 8bit jono has obviously been jono you can be found at jono himself but until next time 8bit nation may your life be spoiler free